0: Bless the Lord, amen. How many of you are thankful for that promise? He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life, amen. I want to preach a simple message this morning titled The Torn Veil. The Torn Veil. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 27. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 45, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. We're going to begin reading in verse number 45. Our pastor is not with us uh, this morning. He 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 grabbed me middle part of the week, and he just felt like he needed to get away for a few days and just kind of quiet his heart, prepare his heart for the upcoming Easter season, for the five bow-the-knee presentations, Palm Sunday for Easter Sunday. So he grabbed me and he said, do you have any time to... Uh, put some thoughts together for Sunday morning. So uh, we have practice and set up for the entire week. And uh, so I, I came in the office early Thursday and I put some thoughts on paper. And I, I pray that they will be uh, an encouragement to your heart this morning. Amen. so Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 45. If you're there, say, I've got it. If not, it's on the screen for you. Matthew 27, it says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all of the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. And the rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. Then look at verse number 51. It says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Amen. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, coming out of the graves. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city, and they appeared to many. So when the centurion, those with him who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. And you don't have to turn there this morning, another opening scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it's on the screen for you. It says, therefore, brethren, having, we have it, amen, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, amen, by the blood of Jesus, by a new In a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's bow our heads once again. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth contained in your word. Your word is living. Your word is active. And I pray, God, that your word would accomplish its intended purpose this morning. I pray, Father, that our hearts would be open and that our minds would be receptive to what you would want to say and speak to us this day. We thank you for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm thankful for the cross. Amen. And I'm thankful for the blood that was shed on the cross. And it's because of the cross we are redeemed. Amen. It's because of the cross that we are healed and we are saved. It's because of the cross that we are forgiven. The scripture says as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from among us and he remembers them no more. It's because of the cross and it's because of the blood that was shed that you and I have access into the presence of almighty God. We just read it a few moments ago. Having boldness... We now can enter into that holy place. we are no longer on the outside because Jesus made a new and a living way, and now we can draw near to the presence of god amen and i don 't know about you, but I need the presence of God in my life. Amen. I need the help of the Spirit of God. I need the spirit of God in my life. I love what the psalmist says and Chapter number 42, he says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He said in chapter 73, whom have I in heaven But you and besides you I desire nothing on earth. How many of us can truly say there's nothing on earth that we desire more than God. I don't need wealth. I don't need possessions. I don't need positions. I don't need titles. I need your presence. Oh God my soul thirsts for you the living God. I don't know about you church but my greatest longing is for more of God and more of his spirit. And we have access to God because of the finished work of Calvary, because of the finished work of the cross. If you're thankful for that, can you give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. You see, the death of Christ was just as prophetic and momentous as his birth. And as his resurrection. And the more I consider the death of Christ, the more I am amazed by it. But you may not know this, but the death of Christ was actually surrounded by several miracles. There were supernatural events that happened at the time that Jesus was dying on the cross. In fact, there are five miracles. That will take place at the cross and we just read them in the scripture a few moments ago And I want to share them with you this morning, but we're only going to focus on one of them But if you're taking notes this morning, the first miracle that takes place is found in verse 45 And it's the miraculous darkness that falls on the earth When we arrive to the cross When we arrive at the scene six trials are over Three of them Jewish. Three of them Roman. And, and Christ has been turned over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified between two thieves. And we know that the scripture says that Christ was nailed to the cross at the third hour or nine o'clock in the morning. Although we know it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. You do know that. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. What nails could creation create to hold the creator to a tree? Can I tell you, church, this morning, it was a love that held Jesus to the cross. The scripture says, for God demonstrated his love toward us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It was a love that held Jesus to the cross. Amen. Jesus was nailed to the cross. At nine o'clock in the morning, the first three hours are filled with activity movement of people the sound of voices the chief priests they were upset at the sign above the man they were upset about the sign above the cross because it said king of the jews they wanted the sign changed to say he claimed to be the king of the jews the soldiers were busy they were gambling for christ's robe the multitudes passed by and the scripture says that they were hurling insults at jesus and they were wagging their heads in that day It was a sign of disgust, but out of nowhere, church, in the midst of all of this activity and movement and voices, the scripture says darkness fell upon the land for three hours at the brightest time of the day. Darkness fell when the sun was at its zenith Supernatural darkness fell upon the land in the Greek that word fell or or came it means to happen It means to come to be it suggests suddenness. This was this darkness was sudden. It it wasn't gradual It was if someone had turned out the lights and the scripture says upon all of the land now was it the whole world Was it regional just there in Palestine? In the Greek, land can refer to the earth. It can also refer to a region or a land of country. So we don't know for sure how widespread was this darkness. But we know what happened is when the darkness came, there also came silence. No more abusive language. No more wagging of the heads. No more jeering. Only horror, amazement, shock, shock fear, suspense, when darkness fell upon the earth. We know this wasn't an eclipse, not at Passover not at the full moon. Plus, we know an eclipse would not last for three hours. We know it wasn't a dust storm. It wasn't a cloud cover. Can I tell you, church, this was an act of God. This was a cosmic sign. God, the creator who placed the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets in their place caused this darkness to fall upon the land. As a result, there's not a sound in all of the earth that can be heard except for the shedding of the Savior's blood as it falls drop by drop upon the earth but can i tell you church he shed his blood for your sins he shed his blood for mine he came to pay a debt he didn't know for you and i who had a debt we can never repay can you hear the drops of the savior's blood falling for you the miracle of darkness upon the land second miracle that takes place it's found in verse 51 it's the tearing of the veil we'll come back to the veil The third miracle to take place was the strong earthquake. Such a powerful earthquake that the scripture says that the earth shook and that the rocks split. It doesn't say that the rocks shifted, it doesn't say that the rocks moved or the rocks fell. It says the rocks split, the rocks were torn apart, they they, they broke open. The scripture says, The rocks rent. And I believe that this earthquake was Calvary answering back to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. You see, there had been an earthquake on Sinai, and now there's an earthquake at Calvary. You see, the demands of the law of Sinai would now be met in the mercy of God at the cross of Calvary. And that's why John said in chapter 1 in verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Christ. Now, you might be thinking this morning, Pastor Joe, what's so miraculous and supernatural about an earthquake? Earthquakes are common. They happen all the time. And you're absolutely right. But one thing we know is true about natural earthquakes is they cause a lot of damage. They cause a lot of destruction and a lot of lives are lost. We've all seen images before on TV and the news of of pulling people from the rubble. But we know from this story, nothing else was disturbed. Golgotha itself was shaken, but it did not displace the Savior's cross. It opened graves, yet not all the graves Only the graves of some of the saints. You see, this earthquake was a sole act of God. And it was miraculous because it coincided with the death of Christ. It coincided with the torn veil. And it coincided with Christ's final shouts of victory from the cross. If this had been a natural earthquake, the buildings in Jerusalem would have been destroyed. And thousands in the city would have been killed as the clay homes collapsed into dust. This earthquake was was a miraculous quake from the hand of God. The fourth miracle to take place, if you're taking notes, the tombs were opened. The bodies of the saints were raised. This is a wonderful miracle associated with Calvary. There's only two verses in all of God's word that talk about it, verse 52 and verse 53. You know, today in our culture, there's a lot of fascination with zombies dead people coming back to life in tv and in film and movies these zombies look pretty awful and they have decaying flesh hanging off of them, but this is not what we're talking about, church, and and we don't know all of the details, but we know these are resurrected saints, not with glorified bodies, they were resurrected and revived to their former mortal state, like Lazarus, earthly bodies that will see death again, and we don't know how many, but Matthew points out that there were many, many saints who had trusted God during the time before and under the old covenant, and the scripture is clear that the graves were opened at the cross, but this resurrection did not occur at the same time of the opening of the graves, but only after Christ's Resurrection. That's why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Christ was the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep. And this miracle was designed to show that Christ had conquered death, that he truly was the resurrection and the life. So the fourth miracle to take place at the cross, the tombs were opened and the bodies of the saints were raised. I hope you're getting something out of this this morning. Amen. The fifth miracle to take place was the miracles of salvation. You see, I believe the greatest miracle to take place is the miracle of salvation. And in the events of Calvary, two different men are saved. The first is the thief on the cross who says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then it's the Roman centurion. And Luke says, he glorifies God. And he says, truly, this man was the son of God. So we have a darkness, we have the earthquake, we have the open tombs, we have salvation. This morning I want to spend the balance of our time talking about the torn veil and the significance of the torn veil for both the believer and the the unbeliever. You see, when you study the word of God, you're going to find that the word of God teaches that there are four veils that are found in scripture. There's four veils in the scripture. I want to give them to you. They're on the screen for you this morning. If you're taking notes, the first veil in the word of God is the veil of the tabernacle and the temple, Exodus 26. The second veil we see is the veil between heaven and earth, Hebrews 6. 19 also you'll you'll find um this veil in ezekiel in revelation there's the third veil we just read it in in hebrews 10 the veil of christ's flesh and then the apostle paul in second corinthians chapter 3 will talk about the veil of the heart but today we're going to look at the veil of the tabernacle the veil that was in the temple you see the veil in scripture it hides something from being seen It separates two places. It prevents passage from one place to another. We know that the veil between man and God has been in place since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. There was a time when Adam and Eve, they walked with God they talked with God, they fellowshiped with God, they communed with God, they enjoyed the presence of God, they enjoyed access to God, they walked with God, the scripture says, in the cool of the day. But that relationship they enjoyed, that fellowship, that intimacy with God, it was severed due to sin. It was severed due to rebellion when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, the scripture says that God drove them out of the garden and he placed a cherubim don't miss this church he placed a cherubim with a flaming sword outside of the garden to guard the way to the tree of life and the cherubim was a reminder you no longer have access You must stay on the outside. Don't come any further. God is holy. Man is sinful. And access to God's presence has been denied. That relationship was severed in the garden. The cherubim. We see the veil when Moses builds the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, the veil was a covering, it was a concealment, it was a barrier, it was a curtain that stood between the holy place and the holy of holies. And Moses builds the tabernacle in three parts. There's the outer courts, there's the inner court or the holy place, and then there's the holy of holies or the most holy place. Let me show you a diagram of Moses' tabernacle. It's on the screen for you this morning. The first thing you notice when you look at this tabernacle is that there's only one way in there's only one door there's only one gate there's not multiple ways into the tabernacle you can only come through the door well i could preach all morning this morning on that one thought but there's only one gate there's only one way that you can get access into the tabernacle and the first thing you see when you enter the tabernacle is the place of sacrifice or the brazen altar you see church if something doesn't die i can't get in and God says, you can't come before me without an altar. You can't come before me without a sacrifice. You can't come because you're good looking. You can't come because you're rich. You can't come because you're nice. You can't come because you're talented. You can't come because you give a lot of money. There has to be a blood sacrifice. That's why the first thing you see when you enter into the tabernacle gate was the brazen altar. Because there needed to be a blood sacrifice in order for there to be fell. Fellowship with God. Immediately after the altar, you see in the diagram was the labor. It was a reminder that the people needed cleansing before approaching God. You see, the priests, they atoned for their sins at the altar, but they cleansed themselves at the laver before serving in the holy place. The application for you and I today is that we are forgiven through Christ's work on the cross, but we are washed through his word. Amen. Clean water cleanses our body, but God's word cleanses down inside our souls. It purifies our thoughts. It scrubs our motives. And we need to be washed daily in the word to cleanse ourselves so that we can serve and minister before the Lord. God wants us to be clean vessels that he can use. Amen. After the altar and the laver, you make it to the holy place. And it's in the holy place. You see the table of shoe bread, You see the golden candlesticks. You see the altar of incense. And you come as far as you come until you reach the holy of holies. And church, where God dwells is the holy of of holies. Where man dwells is the holy place but God dwells in the holy of holies. It was a perfect cube and it housed the ark of the covenant and it was a sacred area. It was God's special dwelling place in the midst of his people and no one was allowed in to the holy of holies. Only the high priest on the day of atonement could enter into this sacred place and burn incense and sprinkle blood upon the mercy seat. If anyone entered into this place, they would Surely die, but you have to understand what separated the holy place and the holy of holies was a veil. Was a veil in the Hebrew, it means a screen, it means a divider. It means it's a separator that hides, and what is this curtain hiding? Essentially it was shielding a holy God from sinful man. And you can't miss this. Embroider on this veil were figures of cherubim. Remember in the garden? The cherubim? The flaming swords. And the cherubim were reminders, do not enter here. Come this far, but no farther. God dwells on the other side. Church, don't miss this. On the outside is death, but on the inside is life. On the outside is daylight. In the inner court, it's candlelight. In the holy of holies, there's just divine light. On the outside is death. On the inside is life. The outside is death. The inside is life. But you can't get from death to life because of the veil you can't get to it because there's a curtain that separates man from god we know that the tabernacle was made of curtains it was made of fabric walls of fabric so it could be taken down and set up in another location you fast forward in the story king david is living in peace He's living at rest, and he says to the prophet, I'm living in a palace that's made of cedar. But the ark of God is still being housed in a tent. He wants to build a permanent temple to house the ark of the covenant and the presence of God. And God says, David, you can't build the temple. There's too much blood on your hands. So Solomon will build this temple. But he builds the temple not out of curtains. He builds the temple not out of fabric. He builds it with stone. He builds it with brass and it's overlaid with gold and it speaks to the permanence of Solomon's temple. It speaks to the permanence of the presence of God. It's a permanent home for the ark of the covenant. No more walls of fabric. No more tents. Now it's stone. Now it's rock. Now it's brass. Now it's gold. But yet church, there's still a veil. There's still a veil. You cannot get into the Holy of holies in solomon 's temple because of the veil. The veil blocked away. I would have touched God, but the veil blocked away. I would have sensed His presence, but the veil blocked away. And the veil lets me know I can never live good enough. I can never be holy enough. I can never be pure enough. I can never do enough service. I can never make enough sacrifice to get inside the presence of God. Why? Because the veil blocks away. There's life on the other side of the veil. There's peace on the other side of the veil. There's wholeness on the other side of the veil. But the veil was a barrier that separated man from God. And it was a reminder that the way into God's presence was not yet open. Solomon's temple was destroyed in 587 BC. I wish I had time to break down Herod's temple. Solomon's temple took seven years to build. Herod's temple took 83 and was finished by his great-grandson Agrippa II. Beautiful structure Marble floors, tapestry. The world has never seen walls covered in gold. Remember the prophet Haggai in the Old Testament said the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, says the Lord of hosts. We know that God's presence would indeed come to the second temple in the person of Christ. But the Jews failed to recognize that it was God. And if there's one word to describe this temple, it's separation. There was separation between God and man. There was separation between man and man. There was separation between woman and man. Herod's temple, again, had three divisions. There was the court of the Gentiles. There was the center court. And inside the center court, there were three divisions. The women, the men, and then the priests. And then there was God's court. There was the Holy of Holies. Yet we find another veil. The veil served As a warning, as a constant reminder that access to God's presence was forbidden. You can come this far, but no further. It served as a wall, a barrier between God and man. It shut man out of the presence of God. You have to understand, church, this was not a small veil. The veil in Herod's temple was 60 feet tall. That's 25 feet higher than the peak of this building. It's 30 feet wide. It's four to six inches thick, so strong a veil, wild horses could not tear it or separate it. The veil was so massive and heavy that it took 300 priests to manipulate. Again, this veil was to keep sinful man from coming into the presence of God. No one except the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, and he was only t- to permit it to enter once a year on the Day of Atonement. The veil, the veil. The veil, the cherubim outside of the garden, the veil in the tabernacle, the veil in Solomon's temple, the veil in Herod's temple. But can I tell you this morning, church, everything changed for you and I at Calvary. Everything changed for you and I at Golgotha. Everything changed for you and I when Jesus became the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Everything changed when Jesus shed his blood on the cross. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the cross. And I'm thankful for the blood that was shed upon the cross. And I believe there's still power in the blood. And the blood still has the power to redeem. The blood still has the power to transform transform and as the old song says the blood will never ever ever lose its power I'm thankful that there's a fountain that's filled with blood and it's drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners can plunge beneath that flood and lose all of their guilty stains and because of the blood that was shed we can draw near we can draw close to God that's why the apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 2 you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were on the outside, you who were once far off, can now come near because of the blood of Christ. Thank God for the blood. I thank God for the cross. I know you love your picture of Jesus hanging in your house with his his blonde hair and blue eyes and and he's on the cross and there's one or two or three drops of blood coming from the nails in his hands but church, we need to be reminded this morning that the cross was bloody that the cross was ugly Isaiah said in chapter 53 he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him he said he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities Jesus was ripped, he was torn he was lacerated he was pierced, it was a bloody sight his flesh was hanging out, his guts were hanging out, but he was ripped to pay the debt for our sins so that we might be set free and church when I look at the wretched of my sinful ways. I know that it was for me that Jesus died. He was bruised for me. He died for my sins. He stood in the gap. Hell was getting ready to snatch me. There was a ransom decree, but Jesus paid the debt so that I could be exonerated, justified by the grace of God. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. You see, church, we're living in a world now. We've heard so much self-help. We've heard so much psychology from the pulpit that when somebody preaches the gospel, that when somebody preaches on the cross, when somebody preaches on the blood, the church doesn't know how to respond, they once said to Billy Graham, they said if you could do your life all over again, what would you do, he said I'd spend more time in prayer and I'd spend more time preaching on the cross you see church, the way to salvation is through the cross, amazing grace how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm fine I was blind, blind, but now I see I was the reason that Jesus died. I was the reason that Jesus shed his blood. You were the reason that Jesus gave his life as a ransom in church. He died not just that the blood could get out, but so that you and I could get in. That once again, we could have access and fellowship and communion with God. Everything changed when Jesus shouted with a victor's it is finished. If you're thankful for the cross, if you're thankful for the blood, would you just give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Come on. Give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Look at verse 50. Look at verse 51. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That veil that separated man from God since the garden. That veil that hung in the tabernacle, that veil that hung in the temple, that veil that served as a warning, that served as a wall, that veil was now rendered null and void because Jesus opened a new and living way. Remember, that veil for thousands of years separated man from God's presence. Even when Jesus walked the earth, that veil separated man from God. Even when Jesus was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God of God and the kingdom of heaven that veil separated man from God even when Jesus was healing the sick and raising the dead that veil separated man from God even when Jesus was being scourged and they put a crown of thorns upon his head and they put the cross on his back and they drove the nails and the spikes in his wrists and his feet that veil still separated man from God but church when he cried out in a loud voice and said it is finished into thy I commend my spirit and breathe his last. The word of God says the earth began to quake, the rocks were rent, the graves were opened, and the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, giving you and I direct access into the presence of Almighty God. That heavy curtain was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't ripped from bottom to the top as though a man were ripping it. Instead, it was ripped from top to bottom because God was ripping it. And God was saying you are no longer on the outside you can come in because my son has made a way reconciliation access restoration intimacy healing and fellowship with God is now available because Christ has made a way he's paid the full price of sin and God will never ever again dwell in a temple made by hands now God throws open his holy presence to all who would come and we're no longer on the outside we now have access no more veil no more barrier no more wall no more divide we now have access truly today we can enter into his gates with thanksgiving and we can enter into his courts with praise and we can bless his holy name that means it doesn't matter what you're going through in this life it does it, it means it doesn't matter what you're experiencing in this life it doesn't matter where you are what time of day it is It can be early in the morning. It can be in the afternoon. It can be late at night. It can be in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing. At any time, you can lift up your hands and say, God, I bless you. God, I worship you. God, I love you. God, I give you praise. And God extends the golden scepter toward us. And God invites us into his presence. He invites us into his glory. He invites us into that tabernacle. He invites us into that seat place and so it doesn't matter what you're going through. Maybe today sorrow fills your heart. Maybe there's pain in your life. Maybe there's heartache in your life. Maybe today your, your life and your heart is full of anxiety and fear and worry. Today you can know the peace and the presence of Almighty God and you can know and have His presence today, tomorrow, next year in your old age for all of eternity. Why? Because Jesus made a way and the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, giving you and I direct access into the presence of almighty God. Can you give him praise this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and you're broken. You need to know Christ has made a way. You might be here this morning, you made a lot of mistakes. Christ has made a way. Maybe you're here today, you're lost. There's no peace in your life. Maybe you're here today, you're dying in your sin. You need to know that Christ has made a way. He's made a way to salvation. Satan has been defeated. And God has pardoned you from sin's prison. The door not only stands wide open, but it's been tore down from top to bottom. And he's made a way to his presence because the curtain was ripped it invites all believers into his presence amen <clears throat> I want to close now with the application I want to close with the implications the torn veil if you're, you're taking notes and there's three and I'll be quick number one the tearing of the veil opened the secret place and it invites all believers into God's presence. You see, the hand of God tore away the barriers. The barrier has been removed. The the separating legal ordinance has been abolished. And you need to understand something, church. The veil wasn't rolled up. It wasn't folded. Every single year after this presentation, we're careful. We take down all of our drapery. We take down our veil. We take down our curtains. And we're careful. We fold them up. We roll them up. We protect them. We store them. Why? Because we know that there's going to be another day where we're going to hang them. But this veil was not folded. It was not rolled up. It was torn in two from top to bottom because this veil will never be hung again. This veil will never again separate us from God. Not today, not tomorrow, not years in the future. That's why the apostle Paul said, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing in all this world. No sin, no obstacle, no mountain, not even death itself can separate us from God. The veil, the great divide will never, ever separate us from God. Remember, no man was allowed to enter into that holy place. And in the Old Testament, when the Lord revealed his glory, when the people saw, the scripture says they moved and they stood far off. They stood far off. Church, the Temple Curtain now invites all of us into his glorious presence. Amen. Today, let's draw near with full assurance of faith. We can come boldly to the throne of God, to the throne of grace. No law forbids us, but infinite love draws us near. We should take every opportunity to enter into God's presence. And every day we should camp around the throne of God. When's the last time you camped around the throne of God? Spend time, church, in his presence. We should make up the hedge, stand in the gap of holy intercession. We're now invited to come in to the presence of God never ever again being separated from God the second application this morning is this the tearing of the veil showed that Christ's sacrifice was the final and all sufficient sacrifice we no longer lead temples we no longer need earthly priests we no longer need earthly sacrifices it was all accomplished by Christ the whole system of types and and shadows In ceremonies, it's come to an end. The legal dispensation is over. It means away with legalism or acts of self-trust. It's not what I do that saves me, but it's what he has done. Amen. The ordinance of an earthly priesthood were also rent with that veil. Every believer is now a priest of God with perfect access to the throne of God. Why? Because the veil toward The last application is this: the tearing of the veil from top to bottom gives ample room for all to enter. The tearing of the veil from top to bottom it gives ample room for all to to enter. Our sins no longer separate us from Him. Our sins no longer separate us from God today. For those who put their trust in the Lord we have access to God I I love Charles Spurgeon the English pastor the English preacher and he he once said when Jesus died on the cross the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom so big sinners like me might fit through I can't tell you how, how many times I hear people say Pastor Joe you don't know what I've done in my life you don't know the sin in my heart. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did this morning. If that's you, I want you to know God loves you. And God shed his blood so that you might be forgiven and set free and redeemed and all have experienced his grace can approach the throne and commune with the eternal one. You see, the tearing was not in the corner. It was done in the middle, and it's not a slight tear, through which we may only see a little, but it's tore from, from top to bottom. There's an entrance made for the greatest of sinners. The chief of sinners can find ample passage, through the grace of God, and then access into the presence of Almighty God. If you're thankful today that the veil has been torn from top to bottom, can you just take a moment, stand to your feet this morning? The presence of God. to myself what's it going to be like in heaven to talk to Moses and David and Daniel the three Hebrew children what was it like to cross the Red Sea on dry ground what was it like to to face a giant What was it like to face the lions? And I have to wonder if those Old Testament patriarchs are going to turn and say, What was it like to live in a day, to live in an age when you had direct access into the presence of Almighty God? No more veil, no more barrier. No more divide. We can draw near to the presence of God because of the work of the cross, the finished work of the cross, the finished work of Calvary. We're now forgiven, and we now have access. this morning that you have access into God's presence. Can we just take a moment? It's still early, but can we just lift our hands? Can we just lift our voices? Can we just thank God for his presence? Can we thank God for his spirit? Come on, church, lift your voices. Lift your hearts. Give him praise. Give him praise. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. We enter into his courts with praise. So God, we praise you. We lift you up, oh God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Come on, church, worship God this morning. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We love you, God. We bless you, God. We give you praise, God. We worship you, God. Almighty God, draw us near. Draw us close. Draw us into your presence, oh God. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! No more divide, no more barrier, no more veil. We can draw near to you into your presence. We love your presence, oh God, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand. there are pleasures forevermore. We acknowledge your presence this morning in our lives and in our hearts, we thank you, God, for your spirit, your spirit, oh God, your spirit, oh God, your presence, oh God. In our lives, we give you praise, God. We give you praise, God. We bless you, O God. We bless you, O God. We're so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful, God, for the blood that was shed on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven. You died once for all. We give you praise, O God. We give you praise, O God. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Father, for the season that we have entered into, the Easter season, a glorious season. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, and I pray, God, that your resurrection power. God has made a new and a living way. And now we have boldness. We've been given boldness. Amen. How many of you know you have boldness to enter into the holiest? We now have boldness to enter into that secret place with the Almighty. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. How many of you were encouraged this morning? Did you get anything out of this message this morning? close here but I just want to say this and close it if you're here today and you don't know Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior you've never experienced salvation and the forgiveness of sins today we want to pray with you and we're going to dismiss in just a moment if that's you be here as a passenger, there is no peace in my life. There is no peace in my heart. And I know and I recognize that my sin is separating me from God. And today if you want to come in repentance and faith and invite the Lord Jesus into your heart after we dismiss, I'm going to be down here at the front. Deacons and our elders and their wives that are here will meet you here at the front. Amen. Bless the Lord. Let's give God another hand clap of praise. Lift your hands one final time. you. And as we lift our voices and our songs before you, as we clap our hands, as we read early in the service, we're so thankful, God, that we can sense and know your presence and your spirit. You are with us, God. And we thank you, God, for the reason, God, we can know your presence and your spirit is because there's no longer a great divide. There's no longer a barrier. There's no longer a veil. Because your son was the perfect sacrifice on the cross. And when he cried out with a victor's cry, it is finished. To my hands, I commend my spirit that veil in the curtain that separated man from God for thousands of years was torn. It was destroyed, never to be hung again, never to keep us out of your presence. And now, God, we have boldness, boldness. Father, may we walk in that boldness as we leave this place to each and every day to enter into that holy place. To spend time with you, the living God, God Almighty, I pray Father that your hand would would be upon us as we leave this place that you watch over us, be with us this week father we we, we lift up all of the presentations we lift up the drama that will happen this weekend. Father, we know that this church is going to be full of men and women who don't know you, who don't have a relationship with you, oh God. And Father, we don't do this performance so we can be seen, but Father, this performance is done for one reason and one reason only, and that's for souls, for souls, oh God. So we pray, oh God, that this weekend when you are lifted up, that you would draw all men unto yourself. We thank you for it. And we pray all of these things In Jesus' name, and everyone said today, amen and amen. Can we give God just a mighty hand clap of praise? Come on, give God praise. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Amen and amen. If you need Christ.